Welcome to Behind the Door, the show that addresses the real issues facing businesses today with your hosts, Suze and Mac. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Door, where Mac and I are going to dig a bit deeper in the business minds of our guests. Hello, Mac. Good morning. Today is a really exciting day for me because this is not a new guest. This is a repeat de- guest, and we had so much fun with his, with the first interview. This is we're going to talk about David Radlow today on uh, his continue talking to him on a, a business of or the principles of cartel disruption. So yeah, that's his book. Yeah, it's quite a book. Yeah. I, I really like it, and I really like being able to talk to him and dig into it because, you know, you, you read a book and you get certain things in your head, and then it's like, okay, but what's he really saying there? And, you know, that, that you know, I mean, everybody reads books differently, sure. you know, and so it's really great having the author available to talk with him and say, okay, so... Yeah, it's it's obvious here, but what exactly are you saying? What really are you saying? Well, and you know that a lot of business owners love to take the pictures or the graphs and then they interpret them and then they make them their own because they really don't want to go into the dig deeper and really have to answer a lot of the questions. So, boy, have we ever seen that. With well, He's uh, a fun one to talk with. I love talking to David Radlow. He is great. Yeah. I have. I sit on a CEO roundtable and I have recommended his book and I talk about his book all the time and say, boy, if you are uh, um, a, uh, a CEO of it that are interested in knowing more and, and really, you know, looking at where you stand right now currently in your business, this is a great book. Now, I do remember David said, yeah, this is a coffee table book. It is bright yellow. <laughs> it is good. I'm not sure I would put it on my coffee table, but it it is in my bookshelf, and I do look at it, and I do reference it, especially when I hear uh, someone say something, and I go, I know I've read that. I know, and I know it's from David's book. So, okay. Welcome, David. I'm so glad we're going to get to talk to you again. We have so much. Max got so many papers in front of him. I really feel sorry for you. <laughs> Mac and Susie, I'm just delighted to be here. <laughs> it is. You are so much fun to talk with. And I can't even tell you, when we do our prep calls, there we were. We were talking for an hour and a half. And, and uh, you know, we get off and Mac and I are just going, and, 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 and. And we were just having such great conversations conversations about what you were saying what mac was saying we, it was it was so much fun so um our first topic is going to be talking about um well what on your book it's chapter four and it's um about the strategic business plan so um, i'm just gonna let mac take it right from there <laughs> yes okay so um aligning listeners aligning readers when you say strategic business plan, I get a lot of different thoughts in my head because I've seen plans and people will call it a strategic business plan, a strategy, strategic planning. I will hear people talk about operational plans, uh, talk about improvement plans, on and on. So when you talk about a strategic business plan, and, and this is an important thing for um, listeners to, um, to think about, is he has a diagram in his book. And it's a very well laid out plan. Thank you, David. Um, and it says organizational plan example, chart 4.1. It's on page 58. I do recommend to people, and this is not a part of selling the book, the book is a very reasonably priced book, and it's a nice size book. It's not uh, overwhelming. Um, yeah, it's it's not a, a, a missioner book where it's like five hundred and some pages of War and Peace or something. <laughs> Although I'm sure that some of your uh, topics and some of the ways you present them might start some wars <laughs> internally. Uh, Anyway, there. so I do recommend that you get the book and that you're able to listen to this and be able to look at some of the graphics. 
What I do but, like about that graphic, though, be, I, and be, before you continue, is the fact that he has this nice picture and graphic, and then through the rest of the chapter, he asks you the questions to answer each area of the book. So it makes it very easy to understand and very easy for you to see the progression that David's going through. So I, I, I do want to say that. Okay, so... Strategic business plan. Is it an operational plan? Is it a strategic plan? Is it a, a, a performance improvement plan? Uh, what exactly is your plan? The, the plan is that the reality is, is that you want to set up the whole waterfront. And when you go through this and once you do it once, then it's obviously easier to update and also, you can take uh, your yearly uh, uh, summary of that and put it on one page, and that that's doable. And but the bottom line is that you gotta really think. And I, I take people that absolutely refuse to do a plan, or they're gonna short, or they're just gonna short circuit it, and they're they're not gonna do all this. So what I'll do is I'll just try to stress test that a bit. Yeah, if you don't have a basic foundation on core and, and values and principles, you need to tie into that on a regular basis. You, know, you need to know what your vision is and where you're going to be in 5 or 15 years, and you're going to know where you want to be in 12 to 18 months, and then you're going to really want to plan out on your activities where you're going to be every single day, week, month, quarterly, year. Uh, you really got to dig into the, the external assessment to see where the markets are, where the trends are, where the opportunity is, how your growth is currently, how that fits into your organic pipeline and non-organic pipeline, and then on the that's on the one side, and then uh, and then the operations people they're going to be pushing back like heck because what's our structure, what's our resources, what are our capabilities? You know, honestly, that's delightful that you guys in your sales department and your sales group can go ahead and sell 15 billion widgets, but you know we only have production right now for you know, 7 billion widgets, and what are we going to do, and where are you going to get the cash for that? So, and then, and, and, and yeah, we're building, but bottom line is that, you know, you guys think that it's so easy to go out and lay down plant and, and for growth. Well, it isn't, you know, and if you say you're going to achieve it in, in 14 months and you do in seven months, then, you know, the stuff isn't there, you know, don't complain to me, you're going to be shorting product and pissing off customers. So there, there are, when you get this stuff involved here, you really got to dig through it. And that ties down into your critical goal corridors, what will enable your organization to meet your vision and mission, and the goals, your action steps of how to do it. And that ties into your marketing plan, expectations, and communication, and your sales plan, and territory strategies, key account personal development, and your budgeting, for goodness sake, your cost, your expenses, your volume, your, your P&L, your cash flow. And, you know, I've seen businesses just grow like hell and then run out of cash, and then they can't get a cash call in time, and goodbye, Charlie, they're out of, out of business. And then keeping a track of your, your daily cash flow, where you are on your daily cash, and then your accounts receivable, accounts payable, and starting to man managing it. So, you know, you can really deal with this situation. All these things together are fundamental parts of the big plan. And then you can go further into activities daily and monitoring and, and what have you. But if you can't have it out and you can't develop something like this, then, you know, you if you're a consultant, you just got to push back on it. I mean, when I do this work, facilitate for people i get their right action and the way you get their right action is you can even do it with COVID online everybody will get a, a plan online in order to write ideas down and then you can get a master document in order to uh you know compilate all those ideas you can have teams work on it so there's different ways in order to getting to where we need to go but at the end of the day you know if if you sit there and don't plan, then you're going to be floating at sea, and you're not going to have everybody in the organization on the same page. So, David, I think this is interesting. Um, I I can remember uh, there. My brother was a president for a 
uh, a division of a company, president of sales. And I can remember the company that he worked with, and they would spend all summer and fall on these things and get them done and have a big meeting in the 1st of November, December to um, present everything, and then it sat on a shelf. But this was all that he did charts and he did all these things. It used to be so frustrating to him and um, because of all the time and energy that they spent, you know, so uh, on this. And this was a very large company as well. So yeah, you, you've really got to that's only one half of the process is doing the plan and some people alternate. A group I work with does the budgeting side of it every six months in the plan, six months. But you need that one pager that will boil it down. So after you go through all this, you can put on one page and everybody can be aware and knows what the values, the purpose, your targets, your goals are, your actions, your themes, and the accountability of it, and your key initiatives and actions and targets. And that is as credible on follow-up in order to keep you accountable to the plan as just doing the plan itself and then having boards out so you can actually monitor some of the stuff that you're, you're going to want to know. I mean, if, if you guys have it out in production and I don't care with sales and if you go in planning and you meet your plan, at least everybody's on the same page where they know where they need to be. Right. Right. But you do need to have follow up to that because things change. Things change. And all of a sudden you get a huge account and, and oh, we're going to we're going to hit this. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get protection, raise their arms. There you go, guys. Go again. I'm going to fill this thing. I don't know. how We're going to fill this thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, we just had a planning session and we went through this and look what you guys did. And then the salespeople look back and go, well, what you want us to do when they called us for this business? Turn it down? <laughs> okay, so when you say plan and you look at the diagram that you have in the book on page 58, what I'm starting to hear, and, and I say that because we've talked before, is that you're, you're in a way you're talking about a picture, um, an image. Uh, here's where we want to be. So highlights? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, can, can you get in people's head this image of who we are, where we're going, what we want to achieve, those kinds of things. Uh, so when you say a, a, a plan for me, okay, and, and everybody will latch on to it in a different way, I imagine, is it's a picture that helps to align all the different parts of the division with where we want to be. And then, so, and then what you have to do is that you end up with um, each division, each department, whatever, each function, whatever it is you want to call it, right, has a, what's our role in getting to that picture? What's sales role in getting to that picture? And then what exactly are the action steps that we're going to take to get there. And that if you're smart, one of the things I also heard is how are we integrated with other parts of the company, other divisions, functions, roles, so that we make sure that when we say, here's our steps that we're going to take, here's where we see that we recognize here's how we're integrated with other parts, and that only works if we have action steps with other parts of the company. Is that correct? Yeah, you're, you're, you start with a picture, basically a business foundation, philosophy, core values, and we're going to operate straightforwardly with integrity, right? Right. If you can't put those big rocks in, then you're going to have trouble. Uh, people can't 
act with integrity and be straightforward. I'm just using one example. You know, what's our what's our vision? Well, you know, we all know we want to be the uh, the leading provider of air mattresses in the world. You know, I mean, whatever it is that we are or service, uh, we have the leading provider of of cloud services in the world and you know the market uh, assessment and then you go into that now some of these when you plan you know first time you look at this and go oh my god i don't have a plan this is an awful lot of work and god we have to absolutely think about it right yeah and you know and and some people honestly will will go to the pitch section and raise 10 billion dollars or for $10 million or $10 billion or whatever the number is. And then they'll say, well, we got all this money. We're just going to, you know, spend, we really don't need to, you know, focus on external assessment and take a look at our internal appraisal, how we're going to get there. You know, and and I just rolled my eyes and I said, "I, I don't care whether you do a plan or not, but there are a few things that you have to do. And sooner or later you're going to do them. Otherwise you're just going to be, like without power in the sea, you know, just going with the wind. So let me ask you, this plan that you have, thats that you have this diagram, um, is this a diagram that should be used not only by, like, the executive team and and then moved on down to each division and um, so that it is... Um, created by all or is this one working plan you know i could see silos being had if it was just in each different area or is there some way that your um everybody each division has this plan that should be as mac and you were talking about where it connects everybody yeah i mean one of the things i was thinking is like you end up getting the senior team together and and they put together the overall corporate plan and then that senior team has to take it back to their functions and they say okay what's our role in this corporate plan and so then they have another it's like a tearing down effect is is that what you're talking about yeah well there's there is, but you've got to somehow involve, you know, the weeds at some point understand what's going on in the company. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm a big believer that if it's even through surveys, so you go into the planning, that you have ideas on surveys of what people are really thinking about so they can develop their right action. So when you go in there, and, and there's different strokes for different folks, Right. If some people are regimented into that, we're going to have this 40,000, you know, square foot, you know, from the top, it's going to be 30,000 square feet. And, you know, and we're only going to bring in uh, executives from each uh, department or whatever to be a part of that. That's fine. Uh, I'm always a big fan on bringing in as many people from different areas so when it goes to the operational phase they actually do it and it doesn't sit on the shelf ah okay yeah okay. yeah so okay i'm with i think yeah. i'm with you that, yeah, that what we're talking about is in getting it to what's the overall corporate plan right picture that you need to engage people all the way down to the front line right uh yeah, you'd want to engage them in really you know what does this company stands for what do you believe it stands for what are the positive things you know you 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 can go and do this relatively easy so you're you're getting their input down there now when you start doing process excellence and you actually chart areas of like where you can prove you bring everybody in and that's something where you get the 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 top management delegates and there's a champion of management that is the person but at the end of the day you've got plant workers sitting there designing how you're going to save money it's a tremendous it's tremendous tremendous relief of power and people feel empowered more than that companies save millions tens of millions and billions of dollars by involving people at the lower levels it's kind of an inverse as the hierarchical change so to speak but they're the one doing the work. You got to listen to them. 
Absolutely. I, I know in a company that I worked with that was a smaller company, just trying to get the CEO to see some of these things, we did a timeline of everything we had done on our reports. So the whole division, every division, every every grouping within the division, then they were finding out, well, I couldn't do my part till you finished your part and you're finished your part, blah, 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 blah. And it, it the timeline really helped because it was easy for them to re to read and to hold them accountable, which I say when I say easy, um, it's otherwise they wouldn't have done it <laughs> or they wouldn't look at it. So it's like, you know, I'm always trying to think about how do I come around the back door with something that they'll actually take all this hard work and use it on a steady basis as a steady diet because it is great information, but when you don't use it, it doesn't you don't use it. You lose it and you've lost your tracking. Yeah, that that's why once you, you do that, it's important to take that critical step step and then say you summarize it on a one-pager, yeah. and then everybody sees it, and then it's right there. And that's why I like, the way I did it was that, that diagram on page 58, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you get, these are the specific areas, and, and honestly, you're picking and choosing. I'm not telling anybody to do anything i can say i recommend you do this whole process but the reality is is that people take a look at the overall pain point where they're in and that's why i call it a coffee table book because (laughs) all of a sudden they have to take a look at external issues and pricing maybe maybe there's a big huge new competitor in and they're doing whatever and then you change your external analysis right so we get to focus on the external analysis or for that matter, we're coming out with new products, or we need to go and we're in an operations point. And, you know, all of a sudden it's been great for five, six years, but, you know, the place is either falling apart or we have a major need of capital and we've got to go out to the market in order to raise some debt in order to get us through the hump. And then all of a sudden the operations part of it becomes important. Also, for that matter, then we have to go pitch. I don't, I haven't needed to pitch because I haven't needed any money. All of a sudden I get this, and, and I've had these discussions with people at, at major companies such as FedEx or UPS that are doing the same thing. You're just doing it at a very larger level. I mean, all of a sudden we have a lot more flow through. What are we going to do? Well, we need to go get plant. What do we have to do? We have to go and we have to do a pitch. Well, the reality is, is that if you're seeking money from a from, from entrepreneurial disruption, it's the same pitch, type, and techniques that you use as if you're going to raise a billion dollars. So that's why that pitch section is in there, uh-huh. and so and then there's the people section, and then you have the uh, process section, and then the sustainability section, and then the board section, in order to do an analysis on who you want in order to help you with this. So. In any event, that, that boils down to the, the question of of who's going to go and actually read in this. And it's the area generally where you need to have some work done on. Okay. Internal assessment, external assessment, basically there when you talk about those, you're looking at an external assessment as being um, external to the company. We're assessing what's the environment in which our our products, our services are. Um, internal to the company is okay. Where uh, what are our strengths and weaknesses, and uh, where how are we set up to achieve those things? Is this done by you know try, not mixed terms here? Internal. So does the company figure these things out? Or is it best to bring somebody in to make sure the company, I don't know if this is a good word, is being honest with itself, um, sees everything, doesn't ignore things that they've been trying to ignore for years? How does that work? It's really... You can, of course, companies can choose the power to do what they want to do. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan, and, you know, I do it, and I had it done, you know, when I was in business, absolutely, to bring a, a facilitator in because they can lead the conversation so you can get through and make sure everybody's opinion is solicited 
and when you have an outside person coming in and yeah, you see, you've been in there where, where certain people will talk 80% of the time, right? Yes, and then yes. 20, and then, you know, but, you know, hold on here, you know, I mean, it, we're talking internal appraisal and assessment and the head of operations and the, and the, and the CFO hasn't weighed in. Sorry, you know, we're going to, we're going to get them involved in this conversation, you know, and, and I'm not saying that they won't be dominant or not dominant, but, You've got to solicit everyone's ideas, and if to bring a facilitator in to say, "What are we going to do?" and do that, that that makes makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying sometimes that that a chairman of the board couldn't do it, or a board member can do it, because at times that you know that's their specialty and and, and they can do it. But I generally say you need to have someone, um, you know, facilitating. I agree with that because a lot of times what will happen is that if you get in there and I've seen this happen where someone won't talk because it's their boss, you know, and they'll go, if they really knew what I felt or if they really heard my idea or I brought my idea up several times and nobody's listening to it. And yet I know because I'm on front line that it would work. So, it, yes, I agree with you 100% that, you know, you, you do need to somebody draw those things out. Um, so, um, yeah. So I think let's move. Um, shall we move on to the, because um, we're going to incorporate more and more of this plan and how we use the plan. But um, into your Chapter 5, I like how you talk, and we're kind of using that your system in the the plan with clearly understand and utilize people resources. Okay. Yeah. Um, You talk about clearly understand and utilize people resources. A question I have um, is, and you talk about uh, talents and tools. You have a chart um, in there. Um, on page 79. So you can see to our audience, you really need to get this book because these two charts are really impactful and they do make you think. So as as David says on the coffee table book, it is one that makes you um, go, hmm, wonder if I'm doing that or if I, uh, what I think about that. Here's one of the things that I didn't see in here, but it's probably in here. You talk about uh, skills and knowledge. We um, are in the talent management arena, and one of the things we talk about is talents. And talents include, for us, talents include both knowledge and skills, right? All the different talents you bring to the table, including mindset. And you know a little bit about that in that you're a certified intermetrics analysis Hopefully I said that right. Um, and so we view everything that a person brings to the table as being the talents they have. I don't see anything in here in the managing of the talents where there's anything about finding out what are the talents that people have. Do, you know, does this person have these talents? Does this person have these talents? I used to be, uh, we've talked about this before, David, where I was on a nuclear sub and we'd get people come to us. We didn't, we weren't a part of the selection process. And so we'd get people come to us. And one of the first things I had to do being in the, the nuclear operations was to sit down with them and find out what do they bring to the table, what are their weaknesses, and what are their total vacancies. And we, you know, to identify what exactly do they bring to the table. Um, I have been in uh, businesses where uh, somebody is really good at um, getting you to like them, and so the next thing I know is that the manager who likes this person thinks that they can do everything in the world. And on the other hand, they have a person that they don't even know exists because they're not really good at mixing it up, at networking, even inside the company. And you have no idea all the talents they bring. Do, do you 
um, is there some way that you address this? How do you recommend to address this? Because I will argue that in many cases, corporations don't really have a clear picture of all the talent that actually exists, including capabilities within some individuals to gain more talents, you know, people that learn quickly. Yeah, it, it it's all part of development and an understanding first of all you got to understand what you're working with before you you know you can assess anything and uh, and what i try to do is try to figure out what people's blind spots are and and we, we had a little discussion a little bit about this but when you uh take a look at their their blind spots and, and i said that i always use my blind spot under stress i have no empathy whatsoever and but we were able to manage that, and so that if I did lose my cool with someone under a stressful situation, the person would take it from human resources, and they would talk to them, and then I'd be instructed to be go up in the next day, and I'd sit down and, and apologize. And it was just we set up different systems in order to address people's blind spots, making sure the team understands that. I mean, you could even on a disk analysis with people with high D, very demanding, pounding the table, so to speak. And then other people, if there are maybe just, maybe there's a four member uh, team, and then you have a CEO and the head of marketing to be very high eye and engaging. And then you have the CFO and the head of finance to be very, uh, very on rules in terms of safety and caution. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're just pounding at each other. And then you'll have another organization where, where there's no one that has a, a high D at all, not even a mid D, and then you have you see you see that people can't even make a decision. And then you're drilling down though into different addressing people's uh, talents and what they bring. You know, certainly whether or not you're on a nuclear sub, or whether or not you went to a high-profile business school, you've got the the best of the best and they've been vetted and, and what have you and somewhat they can they can do what they need to do otherwise you're gonna have a situation you're in a business hey you know you're dealing it it's like a lot like being a coach of a football team or a basketball team or a squash team or whatever team and the next thing you know you get three people that are injured or they leave and and then man up and then you've got to you you got to work with and improve the talents that people have and then that could be, and then you, you've got to work it. So what is addressing, sure, what are their talents, but that's glaring, you're going to have issues, and then you, you can do job descriptions, and you can do things of that sort. So when you've got the, 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 the flow-through of people that are coming in, then you're going to obviously address that they uh, are, are raised to a higher talent, but Bottom line is, hey, it costs a fortune of money to onboard and offboard people and train people and what have you. And the best thing you can do is take the people that you have and, and see if you can find ways to listen to them and see if you can get them to improve their results. And yes, one little thing in the book, and, and it's on page 81, and I do this on the strategic, strategic traps and then management traps, I, I've done this as a board member and I've done this as an investor I've done this and I just I get what I'll do is I'll just see if if a CEO or a head of a manager or whatever is willing to see if they'd improve themselves and I'd even take the uh, the traps there uh, such as superior attitude or rigid and flexible management style or poor communication skills or micromanaging or failing to develop subordinates and ability to deal with a diverse workforce or make the leap from managing subordinates to managing managers, right? Mm -hmm. And you can have a very candid conversation with people, circle them and say, hey, one or two things have to happen. Either you got to, number one, realize you have these things and how can we manage around them, okay? And what can we do to improve this situation? And then, you know, the cubby, uh, take responsibility, your own actions, be proactive. Begin with the end of the mind. Prioritize, put things first. Seeks to first understand before understood. Think win-win. Synergize and then keep improving your skills and abilities. So you're, and that will go into into actual goal setting of trying to improve your goals. 
And that could be personal goals, social goals. It's also uh, at work goals and business goals. What do you need to do? And what are the talents that you need to have? And, and how can we get you trained up on this? Can you go online? Can you? That, that's the, the beauty nowadays is that you can get online training and then you can work with people to improve their skills if they want to. So, you know, I, I take a look at it, just I flip it another way and say, what do you have currently in your organization and how can you work with them? And, it, you know, certainly if there's one person in the organization that is, after all best efforts, is drawing down the whole team, then you got, and management has a discussion to make but and a decision to make, but certainly... You give everybody the opportunity and the benefit of doubt, and it's certainly cheaper and better to work with the talent that you have. So I got a question for you. When you were told that you had no empathy and someone had to come to you and say to you, hey, David, you just went in there and attacked that person, and they're not happy. They've come down to HR and kind of reported you, and now you got to sit down. How would you take that? I blew my top. It's awareness. (laughs) Now, let's be honest, because (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm thinking about all the people that I could have said something to like that, and I'm thinking, yeah, they're going to take that real easily. So how did you honestly take that? I mean, honestly. Yeah, I'll be honest on this situation. (laughs) I I was in a crisis management situation, and and there was something. There was a barn burner at the plant, and uh, and NBC was on line one, ABC was on line two, and, and you know New York Times is on line three. And someone comes in the office and says, "We're short. Uh, we're short on a, a typical or size of product, right?" And and I just laid into them to get out of the office, and they can solve their own damn problems, right? <laughs> Okay, and so in that situation, administrator, yeah, I mean, human resource, very, very strong, trained head of of administration, Stephanie Norton came in and she just closed the door, and this isn't working. And then she took it upon herself to to manage the situation, (laughs) and then she came to me and said, "Hey," I go, "Yeah, I know." She's tomorrow morning. So it, it's having the management in your in your organization, the ability to, to manage their area and to say you're out of line and, and to be realize that, okay, fine, you know, you're not as strong in that area. And that's why you have people around you that are better at managing at their area. So does that mean at some point in time or, or maybe periodically – you ought to have a come to whatever talk and and so because you have these leadership teams and then it goes all the way down all the way to the front line and you have people with different skills and you have some people that have more maybe technology skills and some people have maybe more people skills but even people that have uh, some pretty good people skills may have some pretty big holes in you know as a part of that. But then you look at the the so let's look at in the the management groups because they have an impact on many more people, right? I mean, you were in a position where uh, if you were showing uh, empathy or not showing empathy today or tomorrow, right? It could have a bigger impact because that person could go out and take it to other people, take it to other people, take it to other people, and all of a sudden David is, you know, a uh, good for nothing, doesn't care about anybody but himself, right? Uh, You're hitting a good point because if you go in and you do some of those basic assessments that don't take a lot of time, right, and you become aware and the team becomes aware of everyone's blind spots then there's understanding right yes even at the senior level i mean he that you know you asked me well you know i don't have any empathy well yeah i mean isn't everybody like that <laughs> uh, you know and then you get no 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 and then you get people that are balanced emotionally balanced so they're they're processing their 
their bottom line and their empathy are equal, right? Yeah. And those people just take a long time to make a decision, but once they make a decision, they're they're with it, right? And then you have even on the disk analysis. Listen, if you're in a, if you're a CFO and then you're overly cautious and then overly you're not overly but just high on caution and high on safety. You know, you think that's the way everybody should be, right? Right. And and then you realize that well, wait a second, the CEO over there, he's I I. Oh, now I get why he's like that. Right? So if and your drive also on the drivers, it's like you could be very high economic driver, right? Well, some people aren't aren't driven on economics; they're driven on power, right? Mm. So if you're driven on power, then you know you're looking at the whole control and power, and and and, and that is a higher driver than someone that. I don't understand this, but then everybody just dropped their swords, you know what I mean? We we're all here to make as much, much money as possible, right? Well, no, and then and then you have people that are driven by just, by by ends, by, by making sure that you can give back as much as you can give back. And so, based on awareness, and people's awareness and team awareness, then you realize and you're more understanding of the team. And then, and then if everybody is willing to accept the fact that we have blind spots, then it becomes a lot easier way to, to, to handle organizations. But if, if you do the assessments, right, right, they're no longer blind spots. Is that a fair thing to say? No, I mean, you're going to continue on. And <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not blind. You're not blind anymore. You, 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 you're aware of your blind spots. Yeah, it's still you not awareness. Yeah, it's, you're still blind. Yeah, you're still I mean, gonna go half cocked and not have empathy. I mean that. And even though you know you don't have empathy, you still have some tough times. Is that what you're saying, David? Well, I, I'm trying to say usually <laughs> hey, a lot I, of people spouses will be opposite of them. Okay. So, like my fiance in, she's. She's an ICU social worker, and she's very high on empathy. And and believe me, I've had a lot of discussions why, you know, you're staying at the hospital for two or three hours extra a night because you're taking care of things and they're not paying you. And that's not not a very high economic driver. I mean, you, I can understand an extra hour, but three hours, you know? <laughs> and she says, well, I have to deal with this. I mean, these people need the help. Okay. And, you know, and, and it's very admirable, but it's it's different drivers. Okay. So you got different drivers, you got different personalities, you got different blind spots, you got you know, all these different things. But we're a team and we right. want to achieve different things, you know, and for different reasons. People like you said, people are driven for different reasons. Bottom line is we know that all these things are going to impact whether or not the corporation reaches their um, visions, missions, and whether or not each individual achieves what it is that they want to achieve. Do you end up, is it possible, is this something you've ever looked at, um, that, okay, I've got these blind spots. These are your strengths. You've got these blind spots. These are your strengths. Hey, David, I want to partner with you. Uh, When I have a blind spot, uh, I, w- I would like for you to come in and smack me afterwards and point it out and let's walk through what it was that I did and how I could do it different next time. So sort of like a, a subject matter expert mentoring system. That's is, what he's saying he did, right? Is, yeah, I mean, it, you, yeah, you just... You do that, you find the organization finds ways to solve in the fact that, you know, there may be blind spots. And by, first of all, making the people aware that they have one. Right. 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 And then they validate it and you say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I do do that, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm head of operations and, you know, I'm very high on systems, right? Yeah. And sometimes my systems will override my empathy. 
Right. And and will override even bottom line because I'm sawing wood and I got to continue to saw wood in this plant. And we've always sawed wood and we're going to saw wood to the end of the day, you know? So it's, it's, it keeps everybody in check, you know? And, and, and there's reason why people are the way they are. Believe me, I mean, I want someone who's systems oriented when there's fire in the hole and we got an absolute nightmare going on in operations. You know, you want someone like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you yes. do. You, yeah, you want. And then, you know, every now and then, you know, if, if something's gone a little wiry, right, I mean, I would. I, I'd see what was going on, and I'd, the head of operations would be a certain way, and I'd know it. And I'd say, okay, we're going to send HR up there right now, and we're going to talk to a few people and, and figure out, get some input, and then we'll have a meeting, and then we'll have a discussion on that. But, you know, you, you want strong leaders in their area and you want strong specialists even down at the you know at, at the bottom level so they feel they can be empowered to say i can go ahead and and, and say something and and that's that's what i i had in that, in that situation with a with a company that you know simply they weren't tracking the returns coming in and it was a huge, fast-growing company, 300, 400 million in sales, and just like on a rocket ship. But it, it, the reality is, is that they weren't tracking it. And and I worked with someone who was at, at the lower level that was delighted that I actually asked them and I cared about the issue. And that she didn't feel comfortable enough to go to the CFO. And I said, okay, well, we're going to do a lean process analysis here. <clears throat> bring the whole team in and we're going to set up procedures here. And we did, and we saved the company whatever, $10 million. You know, one thing that I think that um, I'm hearing that from you, which I think is really unique too, is that is the fact that um, you engaged, um, you engaged HR in being that mediator where a lot of times companies don't, use that or they don't have the right person in HR to be that mediator because we all do have our passions or our pressures or our um, directness or our uh, calmness or whatever our personalities are and we do have to work together and I think that that is a um, a specialty that you're saying that we need to, we do need to say it's okay who you are, but we do have to make the corrections when corrections are needed. So, um, I, I, I do, I do like that. I know, um, that's a tough gig. Um, we could talk a whole, uh, a whole hour or probably a whole day on what's wrong with HR. Um, but it's because we hire the wrong people in there or we give that responsibility to an assistant or uh, a person that's not really passionate about it because they just think it's payroll and benefits. And it's so much more than that. But I'm not going to get into HR. That's oh, a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's another conversation, which we can have. However, I do want to move on because we did talk about the strategic plan of a business. We did talk about about the importance of it and your chapter. And, um, I, again, we do recommend that people really uh, listen to that. The other one is that clearly understanding and utilizing your people resources, which clearly we have found people really don't know what their people can do, whether they're – because a lot of times people will go for a job that um, they just, you know, they're applying for the job for that position and hope once they get in, they can move up. So, therefore, no one's ever tracked what they've done. <laughs> so they don't know, geez, I didn't know you had that as a background. I didn't know you had that as a background. Yeah, I know. I didn't put that on my resume because I didn't want you to think I was overqualified. So, you know, that, that and it's like, wow, that's just really sad because there's so much information that you could get out of a person. So now let's go to 
Um, this let's go to the uh, your chapter nine where you say understand your exit opportunities and develop a strategy to make it happen. Here we did a strategic plan to grow your business, build your business, and then it is an exit strategy. Is this exit strategy to sell the business, or is this an exit strategy for you, the CEO, to leave the business? What what is this? It's based upon sitting down and finding out what people are are doing and why they want to do it. And and, and, and I'll take an unusual extra Saturday first. And that is a family-run business that plans to go for 50 to 100 years, right? Uh And then, well, we can do two ways here. You can hold on until a year before you die and you want to do something and then you're going to get stuck with a huge tax consequence, right? And you're going to have to sell at least some of the divisions or the whole business, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can sit there and say, we're going to go out and plan 50 years. We're going to hold this thing, but we have to do a lot of planning in terms of estates and whatever in order to have the appropriate... um, situation go for an awful long time and you know i've seen this and where people have done this and they are out 50 years 100 years you know one owners wanted to keep it within the family so what they did is they did a a very large company they did a generation skipping deal so no one in the no none of the none of the kids could sell the business they would have to stay in professional management and couldn't be sold until uh, all there'd be uniformity among the grandkids. So it was interesting. It was just wow. that was their strategy how to do it, and then the, the kids would get dividends and all that, and they get plenty of money, but they couldn't. Sell that was actually business. a legal document that that they drew up to, um, to do that? hold people to that. Oh yeah, mm. and you're, you're looking at a, a company that right now. Uh, that has about, it's worth about, uh, goodness gracious, 80, I think it's $86 billion. Mm. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. It's drawn up and it's the way it's going to be. And he segmented it out and, and it's not, it's not that the kids aren't getting substantial dividends. They are, but this is what. The owners wanted to do. They said, "You guys don't have the capabilities to run it. I want to stay within the family. We're putting in professional management, and you guys are going to get dividends, and plenty of money, and run off your own if you want to do other businesses. Well, that's great, but you know, you can't sell it. So, I mean, it it really is interesting the creativity that people can have on this, and also really just." Putting together, what is your exit plan? What are your, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Do you want to sit there and just run it? And then I really haven't thought about it and just die in the chair, so to speak. Or if you got a fast-growing company and, uh, you know, or you've got private equity money coming in and they want out in three or five years. So it it really ranges the gamuts of what do you want to do to exit, or for that matter, do you want to uh, sell the banana peel and keep the bananas. I mean, are there, are there, is there a rational way in which you're going to exit certain businesses? And what are they? What is your inorganic strategy? And then the flip of that is, you know, what's your inorganic strategy on acquisitions? So I mean, it, it it's um, it's really something where you have to take a step back and say. What do you want to do? You want to, you know, you want to sell it, or you just want to? Um, do you want to do an IPO? Is that interesting to you? What's your making your cash cow? Um, just dump it to an individual, or you know, what's your valuation? What's your way to improve your valuation? Is if you're really serious about, you know, maybe I'll sell it in five years, three to five years, and you want to improve valuation, then you need to bring the right people in in order to do everything possible in order to set up the organization and do your process excellence and your and your people process and strategy in order to set it up so you can you know realize the, the highest value you can get when so do you do that, this pardon me? when do you do this 
When did you be thinking about doing this? It, it, it's, it's, it's when people are, you should be thinking about planning for your exit strategy. And I would suggest not pushing it off. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it could be a strategy that says we're going to evaluate options and then we'll review it within a year, right? If it's not on there, but it is something where you should think about. And and I'm believe me, I'm working with one company that that you know I don't know how they're going to be able to avoid their taxes. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep it within uh, their their family constructs because they just pushed off this exit strategy and planning. So you've and, got to, and, and and that's on that side. And then, you know, I, I would, you really need to spend time on this. It, it's really worthwhile. And the other thing is, is that you got to invest in that if you are really, you're saying, yes, I would. I don't have anybody that can take this thing over. And, you know, I really want to cut back a little bit and I want to sell my business and take a, you know, work three days a week. And it, there's two ways of doing that too on the exit planning. One could be just a personal exit for you that you want to bring in a chief operating officer and you want to go to three days a week. And then um, or another way could be, you know, really I'd like to realize some of the money and I'd like to sell out 40% or 50% and then maybe in 10 years I'll sell all of it. I mean, but it's, if you don't think about it and if you, and if you just put your head in the sand, it's nothing's going to happen. So it, it these things and these discussions you know, are, are worth having. So, okay, wow. So the, the deal with the family situation, right? Yeah. And um, actually a couple of family situations I heard there. Um, but um, you said tax consequences. Now, if you look at that situation, were they going to suffer tax consequences because – they were looking to make it happen in the next, you know, short time period, six months, a year, or, you know, and so would they have um, avoided that if they said, no, let's move it out to 10 years, or no, it was going to happen no matter what because of the nature of the business and the structure and whatever. Uh, so detail that what, out. What, can you you know, how did, how did that yeah. work out? It, 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 you know, I don't know. It, it all, it all in that situation, it depends. And you're just going to try to, maybe you can put it into a trust and you can cut your taxes down. Right. Maybe you can yeah. go and start planning a reserve. Maybe you can plan to sell one division in order to cover those taxes. If you do some planning out and put it into a trust and you know, up to certain people that just believe it or not, have not had no planning and they're sitting there and they're sole proprietors of the business and, and you know they could be you know they could realistically be dead in two years and you know people don't like to deal with mortality issues it's just something very uncomfortable about it but it it's it, there it's major major issues and um you know planning is doesn't cost a killer amount to do this in, in, in both sides and that's that's on the strategic side of it Right. It's, you know, sure, it's easier when you say, yes, I want to go. You want to sell it in three years, whatever. And I want to or I want to just continue to own and, and get cash flow and have a COO operated. I mean, there's, there's different stuff there. OK, so what's the what are the critical elements of uh, exit strategies? It seems like right at the be- at the beginning of whenever. I mean, I've heard some people say that. Uh, when you're when you go into business for yourself, day one, you figure out what it is you're going to do, how you're going to do it, what your goals are, your plan on page 58, right, basically. And day two is how am I going to exit the business? <laughs> uh, so that as you're going along and growing the business, that you have both in mind. And that so, is, that is correct. Okay. And if you're, and if you take in friends and family, and you have, you know, if you've got investors 
that have put up money in their business, they're going to want to see a return in five or seven years or 10 years, you know? They're yes. going to want to see that. And if and, and it could be dividends. It could be, you know, their, their cash out. They could be looking at a buyout, whatever. You can't sit there and just operate forever and take take outside money in and not expect that you're going to get it back. It doesn't okay. work that way. Okay, so you have 2.34 million businesses in the United States that are currently owned by baby boomers. Right. That's a lot of competition for sales over the next 10 to 12 years. What do you recommend they do first, second, third? And there's a whole variety of formations of businesses in there, correct? I mean, you have family-owned businesses. You have individual-owned businesses. You have partnerships. You have uh, any one of those that then has also investors involved. Whoa. Uh, you, you know, it, it's like you go into it and you see where they are, right, and see where their financials are, and then and then it's a matter of putting it together. You know, the first thing is, is the assessment of where you are. Where's your organizational chart? Where's your financials? What is your growth rates? You know, and then, then the realistically, if you were going to buy a business like this, what would you pay for it, right? Right. So... Then, most likely in that, everything is not buttoned up the way it needs to be, right? right? And you've got to button it up, and you've got to make it as, as clear, compelling as it can be, so you're dressing it up, right? Depending on the industry, there are, you know, at, at the right time, an appropriate time, you may engage the right investment banker to help sell it. Or for that matter, if we have, like, some strategic partners that are, that are really you know, engaged and, and willing to buy them, then, you know, you may not need, you can just use a, a finance professional or, you know, someone like myself that can do it all across the board. But it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's certainly doable. I mean, and the idea is to maximize the value and get them what they want. And if you, don't start looking at dressing it up and then you're going to have issues because the reality is, is that out of those thousands of companies that are owned by baby boomers, how many of those companies have taken a hard look at exit, have dressed up their financials, have dressed up the organization the way it needs to be, have put on the best face of the business, perhaps have a, a chief operating officer that can step in, right? Mm -hmm. And that can operate it, so therefore it makes it attractive to financial buyers. Right? Yes. So, I mean, there are things that can be done to make your, the selling process easier, better, and, and, and it starts with saying, I'm willing to take a look at it, and I'm willing to dress it up and make it look as good as it, it can be. It is, as always, David, you have given us so much to think about, and you have such a, a broad background from the small business owner to the large corporation that you've worked with that it's it's very exciting. And I do say again to our listeners that they really need to get this book. It's, it is a good, and I understand that you're writing a second book. Yeah, we got the second book, and we're in the process of writing the second book, and you know what I mean? That'll be out. Uh, we hope by the end of the year, I mean, real, by end of next year, uh, you know, certainly with COVID, we're still waiting on the the radio book, um, sorry, the that book, the audio book to come out just because of processing. But as of right now, we certainly have it out at davidradlow.com you can get it in paperback you can get it online and then you can also uh you know you can get the hardback as well so when you did this book are we talking a sequel to the principles of a cartel or did you do something different um it'll be it'll follow out and it will be it'll be i'm working on to do something that is that outlines a lot of the things that, and questions that you guys have had, which are more along of, give us some stories here, 
that, that you've gone through and, you know, what and how this stuff applies. Okay. So, but exciting stuff, too. It's yeah. Because I couldn't sit here and just do a, you know, this is work. I will say that. Is that you got an issue and you want to go ahead and, and you want to deal with it. I strongly read your principles of cartel disruption because it will help you improve your results. And then, you know, to me, after doing a book like, like Cartel Disruption, I had to follow it up with something a little bit lighter, funner, stories, and things like that. So I I totally agree with you because it is it is a very detailed book. It is very good. There's a lot of information. It can help a lot of businesses to excel or to get out of a crunch time or to push them forward into their next growth spurt. So definitely an excellent book to read, but it's always good and fun to hear where there are other companies that may be in some um, situation that you go, oh, am I the only one that's in this situation? So it's fun to hear those stories that go, wow, mine isn't half as bad as that, and this book helped them, so it helps me. So those are all good good information. I thank you very much for once again spending time with us and I hope our listeners will go out and get this book and keep track of David Radlow. I talk about you all the time. I um, I appreciate your time and your energy with us. Uh, so to our listeners, as always, as you think, so shall you be. If you want to move forward in any way, and that might be you need to get out and be more empathetic, or you need to be stronger, or you need to be uh, more diverse, or whatever those issues are. As you think, so shall you be. Please take care and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really enjoy the time, Mac and Susan. We have a great time on this, and hopefully everybody can just learn one more thing to help them improve their results. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Behind the Door is a production of Clearview Studio. Find us on Facebook for links to everything mentioned in this episode and sneak peeks into our upcoming interviews.